This is the Hospitality Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on market scale. Take out that travel guide and let's explore. Hospitality is a people industry. You don't want to take away that human element. The best technology has to be a seamless technology. So we have to find ways to be even more creative on, particularly when it comes to energy, water, and waste. You hire the kind of employee that's going to act like an owner, that's going to have that initiative. All right. Hello and welcome to the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. We have so much great content coming up for you on today's episode. We have two feature interviews that I can't wait to share with you. The first of which is with Adam Miller. He's the CMO of Tursa Steam. And what they do is they have a product that helps clothes look and smell their best when you're on the road, making sure that you can be as confident as possible. It's a really innovative way that they are looking at trying to bring costs down for travelers and also bring value up for hotels. So that's going to be a really interesting conversation. The second feature today is going to be with Carl Borchgravink. He's the director of the School of Hospitality and Business at Michigan State University. And he's going to talk about locally sourced food and locally sourced products and why that's becoming such a big thing in the market these days. More and more often consumers are interested in where their food comes from. He's going to talk about how that affects the hospitality market and how it changes things moving forward. So those are the two features. Also in the middle there, we're going to talk to Josh Williams. He is with the Ritz-Carlton here in Dallas. We're going to hear his story about how he got involved in the hospitality business. Just hear a little bit more about what motivated him to get into this business in the first place. But before we get to all of that, I want to take a minute to tell you about an experience I had recently. My wife and I recently took a trip out to Rancho Loma, which is just outside the West Texas town of Coleman. Uh, so it's kind of off the beaten path. It took about three and a half hours to drive there from our home in East Dallas. So uh, it was it was a little bit of a drive, a little bit of a trek. But once we got there, it was absolutely worth it. So this is a really interesting idea. This couple bought uh, a good portion of land out in West Texas, and on it there was a farmhouse that they've renovated. And in the dining room there, they serve dinner every Friday and Saturday night cooked by the wife of the couple, Lori, and uh, she's an amazing chef, just does such a phenomenal job. We had a six-course meal. It felt like every course was better than the last. It was absolutely unbelievable. But when we first got there, um, we we got there on Friday night, and uh, we weren't eating dinner there Friday night, so we ate on the road. And when we got there, we grabbed a bottle of wine, and they told us before we got there uh, that there would be a fire out back uh, of the house. So we walked around to the back side of the house, took our bottle of wine, opened it. Uh, they provided some glasses and we just drank wine by the fire. And uh, someone came out ever so often and tended to the fire and that sort of thing. But we just got to look up at the stars and relax. Uh, we were shown to our room by Robert. Uh, he's the husband, the owner of the uh, the establishment. And uh, the guest house is this ultra modern, sleek looking building that's kind of off maybe 50 yards away from the main house. And uh, it has this great little deck and this area where you can sit out uh, kind of a common area uh, where there's a fridge. You could put wine. You're encouraged to, to kind of BYOB for the experience. So there's you can put your wine in that fridge there. 
And it was this great kind of little communal area where everybody is staying in the different rooms could hang out and just kind of spend time looking out at the scenery or looking up at the stars and just chatting and sharing, uh, you know, sharing a drink or something along those lines. It was uh, it was really, really great. Uh, so then Saturday morning, uh, if you stay there at the ranch, you can uh, wake up and they have breakfast and coffee provided the next morning in the dining room. So we walked back over, had an amazing breakfast. Uh, one of the charms of the place is that they let their two dogs, two blackmouth curs, uh, they're getting up there in years, but they're just ultra sweet. They can just kind of roam around the property and roam in and out of the dining room if they want. So they'll come up and you know, put their head on your lap and you can give them some ear rubs and maybe a little piece of bacon or something along those lines and they'll love you forever. Uh, but that was just kind of part of the charm of the place that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, and then we spent the rest of the day exploring around the property. We hiked a little bit. The dogs kind of showed us around uh, following us everywhere we went. And then uh, we went into Coleman uh, where Robert and Lori, the people that own Rancho Loma, also own a pizzeria and are co-owners of a winery. Uh, so we spent some time eating pizza, trying some wine and that sort of thing before coming back Saturday evening uh, for dinner. And dinner was an absolutely unbelievable experience. All six courses were incredible. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Lori does an absolutely amazing job preparing the menu every night. And the price, uh, they say on the website, fluctuates between $70 and $90, depending on uh, what exactly is on the menu for that evening. But I have to tell you that it was an unbelievable experience. And what I think I really enjoyed about it was that it was completely lacking any sort of pretense. It wasn't trying to be something that it wasn't. All it wanted to be was a place that allowed you to relax as much as possible, to enjoy getting out of the city, looking up at the stars, and enjoy an amazing meal. And that's absolutely what it was for us. And so I really enjoyed that aspect of things, just that it wasn't going to be something super serious, that the dinner, while being incredibly good and so, so well prepared, wasn't about uh, trying to be a fancy uh, dinner where you couldn't put your elbows on the table. You, you could do that while still enjoying a great meal, and that's what I enjoyed so much about it. So it was a great experience. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you live in Texas, try to make it out to Rancho Loma. But if not, I highly recommend just trying to find a place that allows you to relax, that allows you to be yourself for a little bit, uh, and to get away and allow the stresses that you deal with on a day-to-day basis to kind of just melt away for a weekend. It was uh, absolutely worth it. All right, coming up next is our conversation with Adam Miller of Tersa Steam. You're going to want to hear this interview about how they are revolutionizing, keeping your clothes looking nice and clean on the road when you're at a hotel. So stick around for that interview coming up next on the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. You basically lived in a hotel and had the opportunity to learn what works and what doesn't work in a a myriad of aspects as far as the hospitality industry. That gives you an incredible advantage. Yeah, I mean, there was uh, there's certainly a lot of parallels to be had um, when you're working around that many people uh, logistically trying to get stuff done. It, it's a whole nother animal, especially uh, when it's a bunch of younger people. Um, so, really, the the aspect of having to time out your laundry and, and when it was good to go and, and working around everyone else's space and everyone else's stuff, uh, it, it really provided a lot of unique challenges for us. Tell me about how the industry sets expectations, but then has to deal with changing customer or guest expectations. Yeah. So I, I think that um, on the, the hotel and hospitality side, 
uh, expectations as far as clothing care when you arrive at your destination are uh, pretty pretty low. Um, of course, most places offer outsourced laundry and dry cleaning services. Uh, those cost a fortune, and of course, you're now having to call down, wait, you know, hours to get your your garment taken care of, and then gotten getting back to you. It's not conducive to uh, people who are you know coming in for just the day, uh, for example, or who are quickly turning around and heading back out that evening after they have their big meeting in the morning. So there's not there's irons and ironing boards can only go so far, and that seems to be the industry standard is. We have the iron and ironing board in the room. It's there for our guests to use. They rarely are used, and um, they're not having conversions on these expensive laundry and dry cleaning services they offer. Uh, so this was an opportunity for them to provide uh, an amenity that's in demand. Uh, guests constantly are looking for ways to de-wrinkle their clothes on the road, whether it's business or leisure, and uh, provide them better conversions, a more unique user experience, and uh, a little extra luxurious aesthetic in that room. The really neat thing about what you guys do with Tersesteem is that it's scalable without having to really scale. Does that, does that make sense? It, it works at any, at any pay grade, so to speak. It can work in a luxury hotel in Las Vegas, but it could also work at, you know, some roadside motel somewhere outside you know, Albuquerque or even Albany, New York, wherever in the country, this is a really deployable solution. Absolutely. Um, when we were when we developed the product, we were really focused on uh, delivering something that was uh, had everyday functionality, but had that really high edge, luxurious feel and aesthetic to it. Uh, that way, you know, it's um, it, it's the best of both worlds. Really, it's a it's a nice high end product that gets the job done for an everyday need. All right, so let's let's talk about a struggle because nobody comes up with an idea this good and then just falls into success. So tell me about the one iteration or the one instance that just made you slap your forehead and go, oh, man, this is it. it that, did you have a moment where you almost said, you know what, forget this? Um. Uh, well, we've we've certainly had uh, plenty of highs and lows. Uh, some moments where it seemed like there was no uh, no future, no way out. But um, really, our I think one of our biggest slap in the forehead moments wasn't so much a like uh, it's all falling apart, more as a we need to do it different. And that's kind of when we pivoted into the the hotel space. Is um, there you know like I mentioned, there had been similar products out there. Uh, one of them had decided to go straight straight to retail targeting only uh, end users and homes and um it didn't do well at all that the, the whirlpool swash it uh it, it i'm pretty sure it's discontinued now but they uh the market that they attacked it just didn't work for them and we wanted to to take a very functional product that they'd come up with in this great idea of clothing care refreshment in just 10 minutes and we wanted to take it to people who actually were going to be able to use it daily have the need for it and be willing to um to actually uh, engage with the product on a, every time they encountered it. So as opposed to uh, just hanging on a wall in a house, we knew that if you come in a hotel room for one, two nights, you're going to use that one of those two nights, if not both of them. So we wanted to find uh, an active user base that uh, really could benefit from it on the road and still had that nice luxury appeal. You know, I find that uh, sometimes... Uh you hear stories about people when they're on the road that 
the expectations they have are not super realistic. Uh, and those aren't always dictated by the level of um, tax bracket that their hotel experience exists in. So we all come out uh, of our houses with expectations of things we're going to encounter, things that could happen. But it seems like the expectations for the hospitality industry are really elevating. They're really advancing sometimes in spite of reality, how does that reflect on the hospitality industry as a whole from your point of view? Uh, I think uh, the hospitality industry as a whole is really, um, they're learning how to evolve with uh, a growing younger audience. I think it's a overall, overall, it's a great thing. We're seeing a lot more um, implementation of like mobile check-in and check-out. Uh, more focus on uh, technological amenities so that you can order room service from your phone. Um, uh, higher quality amenities in the room. These uh, these sorts of things are catering more to a younger audience who's more interested if they're staying at a hotel and having these nice high-end services uh, catered to them, having their, their needs sort of anticipated and met before they even arrive. Uh, Airbnb and uh, things like that, they're really providing a lot of alternative places to stay for young people, especially a lot of uh, accessibility, really convenient and easy to use, but they don't have these premium features that hotels can offer. And I think that's really what we're starting to see in the hospitality industry is they're doubling down on uh, premium services, premium amenities, and those little unique aspects that set them apart as far as the service goes. Now, I know we're talking about hospitality specifically, but you just mentioned Airbnb. Is there a future where I could have a tertiary team in my house? Whether I'm doing Airbnb or not, is that something that you see maybe down the road as a possibility? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually, when we first started with Tersa, we believed it was a perfect product for in-home, for the home user, residential user, for, for moms, uh, working fathers. Everybody at home could benefit from it. Um, and we launched on Indiegogo uh, actually in August of 2017 uh, to find out if that was true, to see if we could actually get uh, residential users to pay money for pre-sales of Tursa Steam. And uh, we were very pleasantly surprised. We raised over uh, $90,000 and uh, it was very validating. We had a strong market. We said, okay, people are willing to pay money for this. This is a, a product that people want. And, um, it just so happened that those same people kind of parallel uh, the young millennial hotel audience. And th our backers were saying, you know, we're so excited about having this product. It's uh can't wait for it to ship, but I'd also, I need this on the road. Like I need this in my hotel room when I'm traveling. And that's sort of where we began to you know, connect the dots is we had a, a young millennial audience who had already wanted to buy these for their home. And now they're telling us they need this in their hotel rooms. We started to you know, say, maybe we, maybe this is the avenue we need to be in, and uh, start putting these in nice hotel rooms that our users are already staying in, and provide them the same uh, comfort they have at home on the road, and vice versa. Well, I have to say that is a a really cool. I'm going to call it a an amenity or a gadget. I really love a gadgets. I'm very much a nerd. Yeah, and something 
man, where were you guys when I was in college? I know where you were. You probably weren't born. That's where you were. But <laughs> if you had been around in college, man, I would have been, even if I wasn't in your fraternity, I would have been hanging out with you guys because there's nothing worse than just not smelling good. There's really not. Absolutely. And that, having that, uh, that nice little boost of confidence when you can grab something, just throw it on and head out the door, knowing that you're looking good and you're smelling good, uh, it goes a long way. That was Adam Miller, CMO of Tursa, helping you look, smell, and feel your best when you're out on the road. Coming up next on the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast, I'm going to have a conversation with Josh Williams. He's the front of house manager for the Ritz-Carlton in Dallas, and we're just going to get a quick idea of what it's been like for him in the industry, why he decided to get into hospitality in the first place, where he sees the industry going, and what are some challenges that he faces on a day-to-day basis. So without further ado, let's get to that interview with Josh Williams from the Ritz-Carlton here in Dallas. Josh, thanks for joining the podcast, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you've held a number of different jobs at this point. And you're still a really young guy. Uh, so, so this is obviously something that maybe uh, you've been thinking about doing for a while, joining and kind of being a part of the hospitality industry, working at hotels. Yeah. You know, it actually started uh, when I was in college. I was actually um, started off as a business major, but I was looking for something um that could give me something different day to day and that could get me in front of a lot of people. And that's what led me to hospitality. That's really interesting. So now as front of house manager at the Ritz Carlton, uh, what exactly does that job entail for you on a day to day basis? Yeah, so it's pretty much everything that is front facing in the hotel. So from your whole um, arrival experience to um, everything in between your stay when it comes to our from your valet to your check in experience to anytime you call down. Um, that's all us at the front of house. That's really interesting. And how has uh, how have your experience holding different jobs? Like, what are some of the other jobs that you've held uh, as you know, being an employee of certain hotels? What are some of the other uh, jobs that you've held, and what have you learned along those experiences? Right. So I think uh, my whole path has been through the rooms division, and that's pretty much entailed um, all of working my way up through the different areas of the front of house, and then as well the back of house areas, um, mainly being in the housekeeping discipline. Um, and I think along the way, it's just really taught me, I, I think just seeing from the different perspectives uh, that the guest has and, and the different impacts and different little things that we do here and there that really make a big impact on the whole guest experience. And that's what we're really focused on uh, throughout our day is how, uh, how everything that we do is impacting the guests. And how many people uh, would you say are your age that are kind of starting out on this same track? Are there a lot of young people that are kind of starting this track of working in uh, the hospitality industry? Or do you kind of feel like you're one uh, in a sea of maybe people that are a little bit older than you? I think definitely, uh, you know, pr- deciding pretty early on in, in my college career has kind of propelled me um, above. But I think our industry is really... Um, has a great population of younger professionals because especially in the hospitality industry being a you know 24-hour operation in the hotel specifically uh the schedule can be somewhat rigorous and so i think um something that younger people are allowing to take on to have lots of opportunities for upward growth and what are your goals as you continue doing this kind of what's the what's the ultimate for somebody in your position right now uh that you would like to reach at some point in your career yeah i mean my my goal is to be a general manager of uh, my own property and then maybe into a regional role uh 
um, a little bit further into my career, but I think I share that goal with a, a lot of other young professionals my age and kind of going down my career path. But a lot of people set goals as um, starting off in the operation and then moving into a human resources role in the company or becoming an executive chef and that kind of being where they want to stay the rest of their career to, you know, as their creative outlet. But my goal is to be a general manager and then kind of as far as I can go past that. What particularly excites you about what you get to do in particular? You mentioned getting to be in front of people on a regular basis. Is it that human interaction that kind of keeps you going as you do this job? Yes, I, I think so. Um, I think mainly what it is is that I think the big trend in the hospitality industry right now is creating a personalized experience uh, for all of our guests and our guests and travelers, whether they're just coming for an event or coming for an overnight stay, they're looking for a, something that's personalized for them. Um, and so each stay and each guest we interact with, uh, their stay looks a little bit different. And so I think that's what keeps it fun and interesting for us and it's always a new challenge. So you mentioned that personalized experience. What are some ways that hotels are kind of engaging in that? Or is there, uh, are you seeing more technology being brought in? Uh, you know, what, what are some other ways that you're seeing uh, personalized experiences be uh, created through the hotel industry? Yeah, so I think uh, you, you already kind of hit it with technology. I think that's a huge one that um, I think as a company-wide thing that we are, that technology, everyone's trying to come up with the, the new thing to stay ahead. And, you know, we have to be mindful that we have travelers that the technology isn't um, what they're looking for. So uh, I think the technology is a big part of it. But uh, when I talk about the personalized experience, I think more about um, we focus a lot of our time on engaging with guests and finding out the purpose of the travel beyond uh, business or pleasure, but really figuring out um, what makes them tick and um, trying to pick up on different preferences that they might have and something that we can use to create a memorable experience for them, whether it's a, you know, a kind of a mini wow or a huge, you know, wow story kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what kind of challenges do you see on a day-to-day -day basis that are presented in your particular job that you kind of have to overcome or, uh, you know, show, show some leadership or initiative or, uh, or a creative solution to, to certain problems? Well, I think, uh, you know, there's a couple of, you know, big challenges in my day-to-day. From the guest perspective, uh, every guest has a different definition of what they see as quality. And um, so kind of meeting those expectations, but then trying really, you know, being at a luxury brand that I'm at right now, um, we really work to exceed guest expectations and everyone has a different definition of what that expectation is. So trying to figure that out and balance that out with each different guest is definitely a challenge. Um, and then I think from the workforce is that in the hospitality industry, we have a very, very diverse uh, workforce, um, mainly and you know, of course, in ethnicity, but uh, in age. And um, so trying to please uh, everyone in my workforce is definitely a big challenge, but it's something we try to work to balance out each day. Awesome. That is Josh Williams. He's the front of house manager at the Ritz Carlton Dallas, but soon he'll be a GM of a hotel somewhere, somewhere near you. Hey, Josh, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks again to Josh Williams for joining us on the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. Coming up next is our conversation with Dr. Carl Borchgravink. He's the director of the School of Hospitality Business and the John and Becky Duffy Faculty Fellow in Hospitality Business at Michigan State University. And he's joining to talk about locally sourcing products for the hospitality industry. And that can mean a lot of different things. So he dips a little bit into restaurants, a little bit into hotels, and it touches a lot of different areas. And so he's going to share his expertise in this particular area coming up next on the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast.
Would most restaurants fall into your definition of hospitality or does there need to be a hotel element for it to qualify as hospitality? No, hospitality, the way we see it, is a very broad term. You know, the food service does fall within hospitality, food services and restaurants and any type of uh, food business where they're selling you a product for retail or, or for local consumption, you know, uh, uh, would be hospitality lodging. You know, the hotels and the B&Bs, they, they're there as well. And we even reach into clubs and, you know, managed services. Uh, the hospitality is, is a broad construct. You know, you mentioned local um, service. Let's talk about the other side of that and let's talk about local sourcing, because that seems to be a definite area of focus for an increasing percentage of diners or guests. They're really interested in where their food's actually coming from. Is that part of just an increase in the overall inquisitiveness of customers? Well, I think uh, it's, that's part of it. They're, they're, they want to know. They're, they, they love People love food more now than they used to. They, of course, they always ate, but they like to know where the food came from. They would like to support their local environment or their local farmer, local business. So people are expecting you to source, uh, increasingly expecting you to source locally, or if not, to know exactly where the food came from. You know, what, what is the providence of that fish you have on my dish? Or, you know, where did you get your asparagus? And, and if you got it across the world, people would like to know, and, and they would be uh, much more happy, typically, to support a, a local product and even willing to pay a little bit more. With that drive and that focus on local sourcing, as a general rule, aren't locally sourced farms a little smaller, which means that their output would be less as they become more and more popular how does the hospitality industry approach maybe not being able to get enough from their local source? Well, that, that's true. But they would work with the local source, and maybe they can become the uh, uh, the guarantor of their of taking their products. So I would work with this farmer, and I guarantee to take the foods that you produce, so he or she can have a reasonable livelihood, and I get the products that I'm looking for. I may have to work with a number of uh, different farmers, and and that's part of the excitement or the joy. If, if you are a, a culinary craftsman, it's looking at the products in front of you and making it taste wonderful, even though there may be a slight variation from what you intended. If you're a large corporate chain, well, you may want uniformity because uh, a lot, then they, they're, they're producing two corporate recipes will be a different thing altogether. Is there a mechanic or a process in which a larger corporation could provide food quality that is the same level as a locally sourced individual farmer? Or is there a loss of efficiency that comes with the increase in scale that you just can't overcome? Uh, th there is a, there will be a slight loss in efficiency possibly, but I, I think increasingly the larger corporations are recognizing the, the desire for a local product or recognizing the desire for something locally sourced, be it food or or beverage for that matter. And they will give uh, uh, the, the local manager or the local talent the opportunity to bring some of that in to augment their menu, so to speak. So maybe they have a corporate defined menu, uh, but also allow for the local. That would be a wise, wise thing to do. It would seem like corporations would have the resources necessary to be able to sustain several local farmers. How is that changing 
the approach of farmers. And obviously they want increased business, yeah. but they don't want to give up their autonomy, I would imagine. If you ask a farmer, the farmer's going to want to sell the product that they're making. They want to make the best possible product and they want to make a product that the market is looking for. Currently, if you look at some of our farmers are concerned, given what's going on in terms of trade and trade sanctions there, they may not have the market they anticipate. So if they can get a guarantee that you're going to take their product, if they will produce product that you or the company is looking for, they'll be happy to do so. This trend is actually bring, bringing us a little bit back to the way it used to be. We used to do things seasonally. We would cook based upon what was in season. We wouldn't have strawberries 12 months out of the year. We wouldn't have certain pieces of produce, or even salmon for that matter. Salmon would run when the salmon decided to run. And uh, we would do things seasonally. And uh, so we're getting back to that. And seasonally, uh, seasonal foods tend to taste better because it's at its prime and it's also much more local. When I'm on the road, I don't generally think about a delicious breakfast. I don't. Just grab some toast or you know, maybe to have some scrambled eggs sitting out on a buffet. And and my days seem to go fairly well when I'm on the road. I would bet my days would be fantastic if there was some really good, fresh option for me at breakfast. Yeah. Do other people think like that? I think I think they do. Many people are busy, just like you were saying, and go for that, uh, you know, the, the easy eggs and toast and bacon maybe. But others... Uh uh, increasingly are, are, are seeking out that experience and will try to find a local restaurant that does things uh, in a fabulous way. Now, is that an option that the hotel industry is struggling trying to implement? Is it a function of the price of the hotel? I would imagine there's a lot of factors that go into just what a hotel can offer for breakfast realistically. Uh, that's true. So they will... Uh, uh, depending upon how much leeway they have, they may be working with a, a local vendor or, or, or local foods. And, and, of course, at breakfast, people tend to fall into very traditional modes in terms of how they like to start their day. They could, uh, you know, they could source a, a locally roasted coffee or they could find some local eggs from a farmer that uh, treats their hens in a way that people would like them to treat them. Uh, and uh, and I think, you know, or fresher eggs, you'll, you'll find a... a breakfast that tastes better and so that's that's a possibility but you know there's there's some limits there as you say one thing that is changing all industries is the growth of the internet technically it's a relatively new tool to be used not only by consumers in determining where they want to go but also by employees determining where they want to work. And that availability of information, I feel, is directly causing an increase in the inquisitive nature of customers. They can look on Yelp. They can go to a hotel's website and get a better idea of what to expect from the employee standpoint. They can get more information now before they ever step foot on a property. How does that increase in information change the retention, both from a customer side, but also from an employee side? That, that's an excellent question. You know, it does. Let's do the customer side first. If they're they're there, they're looking at what's taking place. They're having a meal. They make some sort of comment on, you know, TripAdvisor or Yelp or wherever it might be. And, and if the establishment is responsive, and if there's an issue there, or or even maybe just praise there, but if they're responsive and engaging with the consumer, the consumer is much more likely to you know, return 
or uh, has some positive word of mouth with their friends or colleagues. Uh, from the employee's point of view, even before they uh, apply to work for you, they can look up your web page, and they should, and figure out, you know, who are you as a company? Do you believe uh, in sustainability or do you not? What is your approach? And they can find a company that is more consistent with their own values and uh, assuming that they have the luxury of looking for a bit and, uh, and find a company that they want to work with, and which, again, will... Uh, lead to greater retention and talent retention is is a critical issue and uh, they can also if they do have um, you know do social media well they can have internal websites they can communicate with their staff and and employees and then have a, a build a camaraderie and, and community uh, using social media as well so we talk about local sourcing yes but sometimes it's important, it feels like, to have external sourcing when it comes to customs and traditions with regard to hospitality. What do you think about that? Well, you're absolutely right. You know, hospitality is a customer-intensive and labor-intensive business, and we're de dealing with people from all over the world. So our students and or you know, hospitality employees, generally speaking, need to have an understanding of different cultures and how they do things differently and, and what they'll be looking for. And, and not only to enrich themselves, but so that they can give the uh, consumer of their product, their their lodging or their food, the experience that they're looking for. And uh, so that's uh, that's been a wonderful thing that we're starting to recognize and appreciate the world more broadly. In fact, we would like all of our students to spend some time studying abroad. We think that's helpful for them in terms of their maturity, but also helpful for them in understanding that uh, the world is not always the way it, it, uh, it seems to be uh, from our narrow perspectives, uh, you know, from where we are located. They, they may do things differently on the West Coast and East Coast. They certainly may do things differently in Europe and Asia. It's important to know that. You're responsible. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you again to our guests, Adam Miller, Carl Borchgrovic, and Josh Williams for joining us on the show today. And if you enjoyed the content today, remember you can find more just like it at marketscale.com. But also, please feel free to share this with your friends. Leave us a nice review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. That would certainly help us out as well. Again, thank you for listening to the podcast today. I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Until next time.